you doing? What are you doing back there? <laughs> Sorry, Brent, that's bad. Wow, what a privilege to, to get to, to share with you today. <clears throat> I'll give you the 60-second report on our, our ministry. We, uh, our, our ministry is a business mission ministry that brings Chinese students to study in Christian schools. We put them in Christian homes, uh, train the, the homes to 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 reach out to them in, in God's love. We connect them with the, uh, with the uh, Chinese Christian community and churches and, uh, and uh, hoping that uh, they will come to Christ. Some of our students, uh, in fact, more than half of them right now come from the underground church and underground Christian schools that are experiencing increasing oppression in China. And uh, so we serve that community as well. So we have students at, here at Liberty Christian and Prestonwood, McKinney Christian, Southwest Christian in Fort Worth, Tyler Grace, Grapevine Faith, and, uh, and some other partnerships where we don't have students right now. Uh, we pay our host families $1,000 a month to host our students, and uh, that's, uh, that's how we run our ministry. And so it's a lot of fun. I thought I would be traveling to China two or three times a year, and now I probably will never get to travel to China again because of the political environment. So anyway, so that's what we do. If you want to know more about that, come, uh, come ask me about it. We always need good host homes uh, and, uh, that uh, are willing to, to, to share life with a student. Hey, Valentine's Day is coming. I'm, I'm excited about the, the relationship ministry that starting here at the church, and that's an important ministry that the church can have to uh, its people. So I'm going to talk to you about love a little bit. I don't want to steal Pastor, Pastor Cal's thunder about Ephesians, but one of my favorite scriptures about the love of God and how it operates is from the book of Ephesians, and so I am going to use three words. So I think he can spare three words, and I'll, I won't, I won't uh, go beyond that. Uh, and I'll get to that at the end. In fact, I think uh, somebody, somebody remind me at the end. To, it's three words from Ephesians 3. Chuck, will you remind me at the end not to forget three, the three words from Ephesians 3. It's a key to all of this, so it's really important. You know, a couple of things I've learned from just my walk with God and studying the Bible. And one is that a lot of words in the Bible, uh, when they get translated to English, they lose something in the translation. Have you, have you figured that out? And so they take some investigation to, to really understand what the word meant and in the context it was, it was said and to who it was said to in the literary study. I mean, all of that becomes more important when the word is a key word like love. And uh, the other thing I've come to understand as I've walked with God and read the Bible and, and watched, this, uh, watched the church operate in this culture I've come to understand that uh, the kingdom of God operates in a very counterintuitive way to the way the world does things. In fact, almost opposite the way the world does things in regard to a lot of key things. And one of those is certainly love. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 is a great passage. I'm not going to read it to you today. You, you ought to go back and read it for Valentine's Day coming up or, or just read it every so often because it's a beautiful description of, of authentic, unconditional love. And then 1 John is a great book that talks about love and John uh, attributes the kind of love uh, to God that he's talking about. He says it like this. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, poured out on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are, he says. 
the reason the world doesn't know us is that it doesn't really know him. <laughs> I hope you're living your life in love in such a way that the world can't quite figure you out. I can't figure some of us out, but that's different. He, he, he says this then, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So there's a, there, that's an important statement, God is love. Hey, just so I know you're awake, why don't you say that with me? Say God is love, ready? God is love. That's right. We say a lot of things and we've learned a lot of things from scripture and experience about about what God is like and you can kind of fill in the blank. God is, and we say God is eternal, God is holy, God is all-powerful or omnipotent, God is all-seeing or omnipresent, uh, etc. cetera. We, we, we know these things about God from scripture and, and from our experience with him too. All those attributes of God taken from scripture are important but the one that's most revealing about God is that simple statement that John makes, God is love. I mean, he's eternal, has always existed, which is a mystery, but what's he really like? Well, God is love. He, he has power, but, but what is it that motivates him to use that power in the way that he does? Well, at the very core, he's love, and that's his motivation for using power. I mean, he knows my every thought, he knows your every thought, but what is in his heart? <laughs> He knows you best, but he loves you most because he is love. John says love, that's, that's the very core of God's being. Sometimes we get sidetracked and we forget to think of God the way he really is. Now, John doesn't just say, God loves you, man, you know. He, 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 he says God is love, so every action God takes every thought he has, every relationship he lives in, the life and the breath and the actions of our God is motivated, it's covered in, it's carried out in his love for us and for all creation. It's who he is, it's what he is, it's how he rolls. <laughs> to do anything else would be to deny himself. Hmm. So today I just wanna give you some, some thoughts about God's authentic love and, and I hope, I, I want you to feel encouraged when you come away today uh, and, and not just feel encouraged, but, but to have a deeper understanding of God's love. Love is a, and as you know, it's an overused English word and you've heard that sermon so I won't revisit it. We, we use the word, you know, I love good barbecue and, and we could have a debate on on which barbecue to love the most, but, but, but we use that word to say things like that. I love pizza, I love barbecue. And then we say, I love my wife. And then and, and, and we say, we love God. So that word gets, it gets uh, watered down in, in the American mindset because we just use it for all kinds of things. You know, the Bible has some other, other words for love, and I'll mention those in a minute. But there's a kind of love that exists because something is, is valuable to us, so we love it. Uh, we love, in our culture, we love great works of art and we would have different opinions about what a great work of art is. I, I don't understand modern art too, too well. Some of those things, it's like just, it's, it's someone painted a canvas totally black and it's hanging in the Dallas Museum of Art. I don't, I don't get that, you know, it's like that, you know, but we value that, someone values that. <laughs> 
I like those realistic paintings that look like photographs. But a few weeks ago, by the way, a guy had an argument with his girlfriend and decided the way to handle that would be to, to break through the glass door of the Dallas Museum of Art and go in and break some of the stuff in the ancient art exhibit. Like, so he, he went in, he broke some cases and broke some things and some of those, some of those old worn out uh, you know, statues on the pedestals and broke, broke some stuff. Uh, yeah, that, that's not a good idea. <laughs> Uh, it turns out he, he did hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of damage in a very short time before the authorities arrived. I mean, it was this old worn out stuff, but our society says that old stuff has attributes of cultural and historical significance. It, it has intrinsic beauty. It has this skillful creation, so it's worth a lot. <laughs> Art is loved for its value, Right? That guy's in real trouble, by the way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. Some of, uh, some, I look at old stuff like that sometimes, and I, I love antiques and things like that and history, but uh, you can buy nicer stuff at Hobby Lobby. They, they, they have that half-price sale, you know? Go, they, I mean, they have that pretty stuff, you know? If that guy had gone to the dollar store instead and broke into the dollar store and went down the home decor aisle in the dollar store... I mean, he could have broke 99 things and not even hit 100 bucks, you know. And the police would have come and saw what he broke and said, oh, well, dude, th thanks for breaking that stuff. You know, that would have been fine. No, we value things because they have been assigned this value by our culture, by the world, right? They've been given a value. We love our favorite band, uh, our favorite musicians, because they, they, they make us feel a certain way and, and, and they add value to our lives, make our lives better. I mean, we love Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. So I mean, well, obviously, you know, that's, you, it's obvious, right? Some marriages are, are uh, built on a love that is based on the return you get from the other person. This is not a marriage sermon, but I'll tell you this. To say I love you because you make me happy. I love you because you provide for me. I love you because you're a valuable aspect of my life. I love you because you look good, baby, and you make me look good when I'm with you. Uh, you know, and that's, I mean, that's nice, I guess, but that's fleeting, I promise. <laughs> um, many marriages, probably most marriages, begin with two pretty immature individuals. Most people get married at about the age when we think our parents don't know anything and we know everything and, and then we get married about that time and, and it, sometimes it doesn't go really well uh, when we discover we don't know everything. But most marriages misunderstand God's love. I hope you and your marriage have discovered and come to understand the authentic love that God holds out to us. You see, there's another kind of love the Bible speaks of, and like so many things, it flips the way the world understands love. It just flips this thing completely upside down. The kingdom operates in counterintuitive ways, opposite ways to the way the world does things. So many things about the way God says he wants to relate to us, the world doesn't understand because it's so opposite to the way the world does things. And in case you didn't know it, it's the world that has things upside down. <laughs> That's, that would have been a good spot to say amen. Yeah, it, it really, it's really true. And especially when it comes to authentic love and relationships, right? 
I think the prime example of the way the world misunderstands the kingdom is the whole obey the rules thing. Uh, people think Christianity is, is really, that, that's what it is about. Uh, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls who do. That's still good advice, guys, by the way. But, but, but <laughs> that's not what our Christianity is built upon. In fact, let, let me, I'm going to let you in on something really cool. Don't, well, I'll just tell you, God doesn't really want you to obey. He wants you to want to obey. Ah, thank, amen. He wants you to want to obey because of a heart of love for him. Otherwise, uh, obedience really isn't the goal for God in, in his walk with you. Too many people think God is about the do's and the don'ts when, when that's not really it at all. Paul, who wrote the book of Ephesians from prison, you know, he said, said this about obeying the rules. He said the law, or the, the rules, all of that, it wasn't really the goal. And he must have misunderstood that as a, as a Pharisee, a, a follower of the law. It was... It was what revealed to him, though, his need for Jesus, his inability to obey the rules, his, his dependence on, on the rules for his righteousness. And when he figured out that's not what this is about, this is empty. That's what led him to have an open heart when Jesus confronted him, right? In fact, later on, he says, good deeds, adherence to the rules, it's worth about the same as a pile of filthy rags to God. Wow. Jesus himself, he said, I, I didn't come to abolish the rules, but to fulfill them. How did he fulfill the law? Now, that's another good teaching. We don't have time to cover that today, but, but you go study that one for yourself. It has everything to do with your heart. I, the religious leaders were always trying to trick Jesus in public. They were always trying to get him to, to step, you know, to mess up, and so they could blame him for something or even arrest him for something, which they eventually did uh, find, find something to arrest him for. But the question of the day that the rabbis were arguing about was this, what's the greatest commandment? And they would all discuss all the different, you know, the 10 commandments, you know, keeping the Sabbath was, was a front runner for them at the time. It really, really, you know, if you, you gotta, gotta keep the Sabbath, that's, that's what it's all about. Uh, so out in, when Jesus was speaking in public, one of them steps up and asks him in a loud voice, so what is the greatest commandment, Jesus? <laughs> and he doesn't even miss a beat. I, I love Jesus. <laughs> he doesn't miss a beat. He says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with everything. I mean, with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says there's a second one that goes right along with it, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. They're in, kind of inseparable. Those go together. And he said, Jesus says, in fact, all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, you get your love for God right and God enabling you to love people like Jesus does, the rules start to kind of fall in place, <laughs> right? They, 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 quit doing, they quit asking Jesus questions in public not long after that, by the way. <laughs> One of my favorite preachers, 
asked a question in a sermon a while back. He said, the, sermon, the question was this, do you know what Jesus did when he got up in the morning? <laughs> Anything he wanted. <laughs> now, it's not like the 600-pound gorilla joke. What's the 600-pound gorilla do when he wakes up in the morning? Anything he wants. No, no, it's not, just, not, not because Jesus was like all-powerful and he could do what he wanted. The point of it was this. Jesus did exactly what he wanted to do because what he wanted to do and what God wanted to do were one and the same. Huh. Wouldn't it be cool just to get up every day and do whatever you want? You can. As my old country evangelist friend would say, if your water gets reset, <laughs> you can do that. If your water gets reset to the image of God you were created to be, and, and there is a freedom in that, amen? There, there is something amazing about the kind of life where you're not always in turmoil and, and, and having to fight against what you know God's will is. Oh, country evangelist West would pray like this, oh Jesus, have Holy Spirit reset my water and fix my doer to what you want me to do so I can do what you did. <laughs> That's not a bad prayer right there. You know, people who've never been a part of the church family think the church is an institution that wants to control their lives. That's what they think it is. They, they, they think that we want to be the morality police and some churches do want to be that. Some Christians want to be that. They think we want to run the con country and dominate through politics. Nothing could be further from the truth about the authentic church of God. Now we should elect good people, don't get me wrong. We should pray for our leaders so that religious freedom can, can, can be maintained in this nation. Absolutely we should. But that's not why the church exists. That isn't what love does. <laughs> God doesn't transform nations through elections and presidents. He does it through his church and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers like me and you living out in the communities where we are taking that thing God does in us and loving other people till they experience it and their lives are changed and their homes are transformed and revival comes. That's how nations are transformed. And that's another sermon. Sorry, don't... Don't, don't tell anyone I said that. That's a, that, might, that might make someone mad. You see, there, there, no, it's true. You see, there is a kind of love that isn't based on the return we get. In fact, there's a kind of love that doesn't even consider someone's value or performance. Instead, it's a love that actually creates value in the object or person that we love. I told you the kingdom operates in a counterintuitive way. It doesn't love because the person or the thing is worthy. It loves because of who God is. Our middle daughter Piper had a stuffed monkey about the time she was three years old. Cute little long-armed, long-tailed stuffed animal. Slept with her all the time. She fell in love with it the day she got it. She named it after her favorite cousin, Mikey. So it's Mikey the monkey, you know. We remember in the trip we took to Arkansas when she was about seven and we actually stayed in a hotel. We, didn't, we, didn't, we weren't able to afford to stay in hotels very often back, back then. They, 
they didn't used to pay pastors very much, but you know, but we no, they've all, we were we've always been very well taken care of in God's God's work. But we we were uh, leaving, and we got a couple of hours into a five-hour trip, and and Piper always slept in the car. I mean, she used to put her in the in the car, and she's one of those kids that just like I mean, before you got out of the parking lot, she's just back to sleep. She woke up and realized Mikey was not with us, and I mean, it was it was a tough trip, guys. <laughs> I mean, we were not going to drive like five hours back, and, and, and I mean, there were tears shed. It was, it was, it was tough. <laughs> Poor Mikey. Well, we were able to phone a nice person at that motel who mailed him back. And I mean, you should have seen the reunion when we took Mikey out of that box and got him back home. Now, by the time Mikey the monkey went to junior high, well, he was homeschooled, <laughs> but he was looking pretty ragged by junior high. And by the time he graduated from high school, his hair was just kind of permanently matted where he'd been hugged like a lot. <laughs> his stuffing was starting to get kind of lumpy, but that's what happens with age. Your stuffing starts to get a little lumpy <laughs> if you're loved on a lot. Amen. That's it. But by then he had been repaired several times in several different ways. And he did attend SNU, but he, he ended up dropping out. I mean, SNU is pretty hard. But if Mikey had at that point been donated to the Goodwill store, he would not have made it to the shelf. <laughs> he would have been a Goodwill store reject. At that point, he had no intrinsic value, nothing about him to love, except he had a history with someone who loved him. He was loved because of the road he had walked with a child who uh, appreciated him and found comfort in this inanimate thing. <laughs> that love created a great value in a worn out little stuffed animal. I mean, so, so much so that I was on the phone trying to get him back, you know. <laughs> Mikey was eventually replaced by her husband, Kyle. Well, no, it wasn't really like that, but... You know what? God has loved me in spite of my weaknesses, in spite of my mistakes, in spite of my shortcomings. As far as the just intrinsic value, I, I probably would fall into that category of goodwill store reject. I, a lot of us feel that way, right? From the, if, if we listen to what the world has to say. But God's love has never wavered. It is a solid rock you can build your life upon. What a blessing to be loved with a love that's not based on our diminishing abilities to perform the kinds of things that the world values. What a blessing. That's why I, don't, don't, I love the intergenerational nature of the church so we have have young kids who have so much potential for the future but we have people who are nearing the end of their journey but, but everyone is valuable 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 because God loves us and his love is shed abroad in our hearts the, the word says love for each other and what a blessing to have come to understand God's love at some level I haven't figured it all out but I, I, I have come to understand it a little bit 
You know, some things are loved because they are valuable. That's the world. And some things are valuable because they're loved. That's the kingdom. You get it? I hope you do. These things become more and more valuable as we keep our commitment to love each other and to love God. Your value is not based on what you bring to God. You can't earn his love. You can't earn his grace. It just is. It's who he is. And it's his love for you that creates eternal value in your life. You know, it's the kind of love God has for us. Not value, value, it's not, not about your, your, your value or your performance at all. It just is. His love, though, creates something very valuable in you that would not have been there without him. It's the gracious gift of God that comes when you ask him for it in faith. Now, 1 John says God is love, and you know, you know there are different words the, the, for love in the Bible, and, and like brotherly love, the phileo love, the romantic love, the eros, eros love, but, but the Bible says God's love is agape love here, which is, it, it means it's pure and it's unconditional, and it's not based on performance or the intrinsic value of, of the object of its love. It's, it's, it's love that originates with him. John says it that way. He said, it said I, I, he, I, he first loved me. <laughs> And I love him because of that. Before we loved him, before we knew to love him, before we brought anything to the table, God loved us. Love isn't just one of God's activities. It's, it's, it's who he is. If you, if you respond to his love, though, here it is. That love redeems you and changes you. And get this, it's what enables us to love like God loves. Now, there's nothing inherently valuable in us that the God of the universe would, would love us. In fact, there are things in, in most of our lives that, that we could say would make God not really love us, right? If that's how this worked. But that's not how agape love works. You know, marriage sometimes fails when love is misunderstood. Earthly kinds of, of love shift as the shifting sands of life happen. And we're, it, it, okay, this is really important. It, if we're always trying to be valuable enough to deserve to be loved, in a marriage relationship especially, it becomes harder and harder as time goes on, as those, as those things we value, the, the looks, our abilities, our, our, uh, the things that we've, we've, we're infatuated with when we first got married, as those things level out. If we're always trying to earn love, it gets harder and harder. And it gets more stressful and it seems like you just can't get your footing in the relationship and it just, it feels like you're standing on the moving, shifting sand. And a storm will come. <laughs> Don't think it won't. A storm will come. It may be a tragedy, it may be a failure, it may be a misunderstanding, it may be a conflict. Your romantic love and even your friendship love, that brotherly love, that, they'll get challenged. 
You need Christ-like love that is the rock-solid thing you can build your life upon that does not change with shifting sands and does not get moved by the storm, but stands firm. And there we stand and then we love each other out of that love that God has for us. It gets even better after the storm passes by. Amen. Let's see, what was it I said was promised you, Chuck? Okay, three, okay, so here's the sermon. Okay, three, no, that's not true. Three words from Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3 is one of the, the beautiful prayers in the Bible. I'll read the first part of it. This is Ephesians 3, verse 14. Do we have that up? Yeah, thank you. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. And I pray that you being rooted in established love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. The three words that are the key to this, I, I want you to just take away is where he says, I, I, I'm praying for you and this is what I'm praying will happen in regard to love, that you will have power to grasp. Now, that, 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 tell, that, that stopped me as I was studying this again this week. Paul is saying that, that there's something here that you're not going to be able to get unless God enables you to get it. You need God's power to really grasp this. Wow. So, First, God will strengthen you in your inner being so that Christ will dwell in your heart. Uh, you can, you, you know, we say you get saved, you become a Christian, you accept Christ. You, you know, that, that, that's, that's awesome. But Paul is saying, I'm praying for something more for you. I'm praying that you are going to have the power to really get a hold of the love of God. Because it surpasses knowledge. You can't just know it because you heard it or you read it. You need God's help to really get this. It's like obeying God's word. We, we don't do it to earn his love. God wants us to obey him because we want to, because we love him back. So what, what to do today as the worship team comes? I spent my ministry trying to help people understand the ideas of sanctification and holiness. And people mistake what our church believes, that they think that's just extreme obedience, that it's your, your church is trying to be stricter than other churches, and that's not it at all. It's not just higher standards than other believers. That's so easily prideful and legalistic. What we believe and teach is based on God's love and his power that's available to you. It's power to get a hold of it in such a way that it transforms your life and your love for God and by his power enables you to love people like Jesus did. So what, what do we need to do today? I think some of us just have never been able to really get a grip on that idea. 
because you've never really asked God to give you the power to hold on, to hold on, get a hold of that for yourself. Not just God loves you, but there is a love that surpasses knowledge. And if I can get a hold of it in my heart, if I can submit my heart and allow the Holy Spirit to align my heart to beat in rhythm with God's, Yeah, it's the path to holiness. It's the way to growing up into the fullness of God. But it's freedom from trying to get good enough. It's freedom from worry. It's freedom from the lies of the enemy and from this world's way of doing things. There is a glorious freedom that comes when you just love Him and you know that He loves you. And you just live in that. We're going to close with song, but I, I just want to pray for you right now. Let's bow our heads. And in fact, I guess we, let's go ahead and stand together. I want, I want to pray for you before we go, and then we'll sing. But in this prayer, I mean, you're always welcome to come to the altar if you want to just come and say, God, I, I really need your power, your help to really understand and grasp that you love me today. Let's pray. Oh God, change me so that I love you back like I should. Oh God, set my heart to be in rhythm with yours today. Father, free me from self and selfishness and enable me to love like you do. Because without your power to grasp this, without your help to really get a hold of this, I've always I've made a mess of it. I'm willing now to fully rely on your love to change me give me what I need. I receive it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Now to him who is able, this is Paul praying in Ephesians, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.